represented by the Syracuse class. This is a school and not a church, and neither are we affiliated with any religious organizations. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization. It is dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh, our element, and the operation of the eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in 1958. Since that time, we have established branch schools across the United States and in various parts of the world. The Syracuse branch was established in 1969. At this time, I'd like to introduce to you the Dean of Syracuse branch, Dr. Patrick Trivison. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the word or son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted with the title God. And the name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and, 1, 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means Elohim is the title that our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language have any characters or letters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that is made by the letter J. Neither was there a J in the English language until some 1400 years after the death of the Messiah. Therefore, making such names as Jesus and Jehovah, impossible renderings of the true and original name of our Father and His Son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Now, Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, He is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in His pure spirit state symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because the cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this fiery cloud all right around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on this chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the word or son, a superincorporeal being, that is, having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form could only be seen by divine vision and understood by divine revelation. Later on, the self-same spirit manifests himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. 
Now there is only one name given unto salvation and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what was the name of the savior during the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of his name and title may be had by reading the preface of the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. The tabernacle, sorry. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof how that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. We have 10 primary constitutional aims and objectives, and they are as follows. First is to help you find and know Yahweh or Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua Messiah without distinction of race or nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern practical and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Sixth, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eighth, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And tenth, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the newer state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. And I'd like to have this evening's meeting dedicated with a, um, a prayer by uh, Dr. Tony Pagano. That'll be followed by a scripture reading, which is, what did you say it was? Isaiah 51? 51. Isaiah 51. Our scripture readers this evening are uh, Dr. Kathy Hules and, um, and Dr. Linda Volpe. Um, good evening. Uh, let us all take a few minutes and bow our hearts and minds um, and just try to um, give all of our focus and attention to what Yahweh has to show us this evening. Um, I am loving this weather. <laughs> it's a little cold this week, but it was so nice to see the sun today. 
-hmm. And I am just, it just reminds me of how beautiful that resurrection is being in this time of spring. And so thankful that Yahweh has allowed me to see something of his great purpose, pattern, and plan. And that I know that there is a resurrection. Um, and just to keep, um, keep feeding me uh, that food for my soul. And with that, I'm going to say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Scripture reading is Isaiah 51. I'll be reading out of a King James Version and inserting the true and correct names where necessary. <clears throat> Isaiah 51. Hearken to me, you that follow after righteousness. Ye that seek Yahweh, look unto the rock whence ye are hewn, and to, to the hole of the pit whence ye are digged. Look unto Abraham, your father, and unto Sarah that bare you. For I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. For Yahweh shall comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places, and he will make her wilderness like Eden, and her desert like the garden of Yahweh. Joy and gladness shall be found therein. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Hearken unto me, my people. Give ear unto me, O my nation, for a law shall proceed from me, and I will make my judgment and rest for a light of the people. My righteousness is near. My salvation is gone forth, and mine arms shall judge the people. The isles shall wait upon me, and on mine arms shall they trust. Lift up your eyes to the heavens, and look upon the earth beneath. For the heavens shall vanish away like smoke, and the earth shall wax old like a garment. And they shall dwell therein, they that dwell therein shall die in like manner. But my salvation shall be forever, and my righteousness shall not be abolished. Hearken unto me, you that know righteousness, the people in, who, in whose heart is my law. Fear ye not the reproach of men, neither be ye afraid of their revilings. For the moth shall eat them up like a garment, and the worm shall eat them like a wool. But my righteousness shall be forever, and my salvation from generation to generation. Awake, put on strength, O arm of Yahweh, awake! As in the ancient days, in the generations of old, art thou not in that hath cut Rahab and wounded the dragon? Art thou not it which has dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, that had made the depths of the sea a way for the ransomed to pass over? Therefore the redeemed of Yahweh shall return and come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their land. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow, and mourning shall flee away. I, even I, am he that comforteth you. Who art thou? Thou that shouldest be afraid of a man that shall die, and out of a son man, the son of man, which shall 
be made as grass? And forgettest the Yahweh thy maker, that he has stretched forth the heavens and has laid the foundations of the earth and is feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor, as if he were ready to destroy. And where is the fury of the oppressor? The captive exile hasteneth that he may be loosed and that he should not die in the pit nor that his bread should fail. But I am Yahweh, thy Elohim, that divided the sea, whose wave roared. Yahweh of hosts is his name. And I have put my words in thy mouth, and I have covered thee in the shadow of mine hand, that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth and say unto Zion, Thou art my people. Awake, awake, stand up, O Jerusalem, which is drunk of the hand of Yahweh, the cup of his fury. Thou hast drunken the dregs of the cup of trembling and wrung them out. There is none to guide her among all the sons whom she hath brought forth. Neither is there any that taketh her by the hand of all the sons that she hath brought up. These two things are come unto thee, who shall be sorry for thee, desolation and destruction, and the famine and the sword, by whom shall I comfort thee? Thy sons have fainted, they lie at the head of all the streets, as a wild bull in a net, they are full of the fury of Yahweh, the rebuke of thy Elohim. Therefore, hear now this, Thou afflicted and drunkard, but not with wine. Thus saith Yahweh Elohim, and thy Elohim that pleadeth the cause of his people. Behold, I have taken out of thine hand the cup of trembling, even the dregs of the cup of my fury. Thou shalt no more drink it again, but I will put it into the hand of them that afflict thee, which have said to thy soul, Bow down that we may go over, and thou hast laid the bo thy body as the ground and as the street to them that went over. That was Isaiah 51. Thank you both, Dr. Pagano and Dr. Hules. This evening will be a three-speaker format, and please acknowledge the five-minute warning when you see it on the screen. And our first speaker this evening will be Dr. Dave Frankowski from our Oceanside class. Good evening, everybody, and good afternoon. Good evening. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, I was just thinking, it's been a while since I've been called, so I was. it could be my number tonight, and it is. But I'm always grateful to have something to say because I was shown something. I, first of all, I was invited here uh, by my creator. And growing up in Catholic school, or well, going to Catholic school, growing up in the Catholic faith, uh, I never would have thought I would have said that. I just thought that was what I had to do, go to church and, and be a good little Catholic. But getting invited down here is, is and being shown something, the truth, is far more than I would have ever imagined. I mean, uh, you know, I was reciting... Um, prayers or i forget the verse but um 
meaningless prayers continually reciting over and over, which meant nothing. And when I came down here, and it's been like 10 years now, I can't believe that either. Uh, in May of, I believe it was May of, 9, of 2013 is when I first was invited to one of these classes. And I feel like uh, it's been a long time, but when I hear the testimony of most of the people on these Zoom calls, they've been here way longer. So I feel like a rookie, uh, but I'm glad that um, I've been called to know something and to have something revealed to me and to know something for a certainty um, that my creator is real and he's not a uh God up above the sun, moon, and stars. He is here in all of us. And the first thing I want to say is, uh, if this one of the readers would go to the seventh verse of our scripture reading, and just read verse seven, please. Isaiah fifty-one seven. Hearken unto me, you that know righteousness, the people in whose heart is my law. Fear ye not the, the reproach of men. Neither be afraid of their revilings. So <clears throat> hearken unto me and is the, his law is in your heart. And that's the new covenant. If um, Greg can go to the new or the covenants chart, um, you know, back in the day on that Moses chart, the um, law was given to the Jews and the Jews only. And that was the old covenant, which is depicted on the left side of your screen there, showing all the physical uh, ways of worship. And in whose heart is my law is on the right hand side of the new covenant is now in your heart and in your mind. And if you see also on the left there, all that old covenant the carnal mind ordinances physical ways of worship were nailed to the cross and most of religion nowadays are taking those carnal ordinances and dragging them onto this side of the cross and making you keep those laws that were not given to you they were given to the jews and the jews only um, right. yahshua jesus is, is called out in the world was not a Christian, he was a Jew. Christians didn't exist back then. So it's just the, the total uh, deception of, of the mystery of iniquity. To these leaders that are um, teaching us and they're, they're not teaching us properly. And the one verse I'd like, another verse I'd like to get, and I'm not sure where it's at, but it talks about um, the, the workers going into the field and the first, the workers go early in the morning and then a worker at the end of the day come in and only worked a certain amount of time, but he got the same reward as the person that worked all day. If someone knows where that one's at. Um, I believe it's Matthew 20. The same penny? Yep. Yes, yes. Matthew 20. 20 and 9. 20 and 9? Started at yep. 1. Matthew 20 and 1. 
For the kingdom of heaven is like a man that is a householder who went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a, uh, what do I have here? Penny, his says denarius in mine, a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said unto them, go ye also into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. And they went their way. Again, he went out the sixth and ninth hour and did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and saith unto them, why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, go ye also into the vineyard and whatever is right, that shall ye receive. So when evening was come, the master of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the householder, saying, These last, these last have worked but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us who have borne the burden and heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst thou not agree with me for a penny? Take what, I, take what is thine and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil because I am good? So the last shall be first and the first last, for many are called, but few are chosen. Okay, thank you. So that's a lot of reading, but what that, what that shows me is a couple things. Uh, the manifestation of, you know, I'm, I'm a rookie. I'm way into my life, and I had never heard a word about this teaching, but, but Yahweh saw it fit at, toward the end of my life and toward the, the end of this age. Uh, to call me down here, uh, such as that last person that was called, or one of those last people that were called to work in that vineyard. And he's given me the same thing that he's given somebody that was in this teaching from the beginning, possibly. And it's not a matter of uh, what you did or, or how long you've done it. It's that you are called and that you, you answered. You are, you answered the call of the creator and you're going to get that reward. The reward is going to be the same for everybody. And I've heard, I've heard Dr. Volpe say in our classes in the past that I'd, I'd be a doorman or the lowest, uh, whatever it is in the kingdom of Yahweh, as long as I'm in there, you know, it doesn't, yeah. there's no. There's no eyes, you know, it's all, it's all us in, in the kingdom. We want to be in the kingdom. And, and I appreciate that I was brought down here. I see this, or I, you know, never probably read this in all my years in the Catholic church, but, you know, hearing it, hearing it down here, um, that's the manifestation that I see of it and the, the principle of of it and the manifestation being that i'm you know i'm one of these people that 
was last was standing around there and Yahweh came and grabbed me at the end, you know, so it's, um, you know, it's very much appreciated. And, you know, as long as you are called here and that you, um, you hear with your heart and not just you learn the verses or what have you that, you know, that it's in your heart and that you're, you receive what your creator is telling you. So it's um, the law, getting back to verse seven, the law um, is, is in your heart and in your mind now. It's not the old covenant where it's against us. In uh, The law was against us. It wasn't, um, it was contrary to us. And I'm not sure where that one is. Someone wants to get that, but you know, Yahweh knew when he gave them that law that they wouldn't be able to keep it. Um, so that's why there was a need for a new covenant. You know, if there was, it also says in there in the book, if there was, if the old covenant was perfect, there would not have been a need for the new covenant. Right. So that's why Yahweh had to come in in the likeness of sinful flesh as Yahshua the Messiah and save our souls uh, because we couldn't do it ourselves. Um, that was proven throughout all time with the old covenant. And, you know, everyone needs to be saved because you can't do it on your own. Right. So, for, so for that, very grateful. And um, to think that, uh, you know, I was under that uh, deception of of the Catholic Church, and you know, I I thought that everything they taught was the truth because they went to school for it and uh, seminary school, whatever. But I know lately um, we have talked in some of our classes about because of Easter and all that, the host, the cracker and grape juice, you know we were under the delusion. I, in my mind, I thought it was kind of weird as well as confession, confessing your sins to a man. Uh, but just in the back of your mind, you think that this is kind of off. And I was an altar boy. I, I know that you weren't supposed to touch that host. You know, you had to, the priest was the only one that could touch it. So, but to, for them to be saying that this is, you know, this physical cracker is a, your savior is just now that I have come down to see and understand and have things revealed to me that, that, that is just so beyond comprehension. I could never see myself uh, going back to, to anything like that. Um, this is where you want to be. This is where the truth is. And, and this is where you're going to get your, you're going to get what you need for your salvation. I've also heard in this class, you know, you want to keep coming back here because um, you're going to need it. You're going to need everything right. that you um, that you have gleaned here uh, from all the people, all the vessels that have spoken, uh, what the teacher has said. And we know that Yahshua is the teacher. And I saw that uh, text there, Colossians 2 and 14, it said, Yep. If someone wants to get that. Colossians. Yeah. Two and 
14. Yeah, 14. two and 14. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Yeah, that's what I was talking about earlier. Thank you. I think it was Reba that looked that up. Yes, yeah, so blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, which is physical handwriting of ordinances, they were against us. They were against mankind because mankind couldn't keep those ordinances. He didn't have the heart in him to keep those ordinances. And they were contrary to mankind because it wasn't something that it was, it was, wasn't something that he could master or do and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. As it shows in this chart here, it says nailed to the cross. And then those keys right there are the law on the prophets, which are the first 30-some, 40-some books of the Bible, which talk about um, Yahshua. They're all about Yahshua. So he nailed this old covenant, these written ordinances, all these physical uh, things. He nailed them to his cross, which initiated and brought in the new covenant, which, as you see on the other side there, it's all spiritual in your heart and in your mind. So, and it shows you, and that again shows you right there that he he had to have a new covenant because those ordinance, the handwritten ordinances, they were against them and they were contrary to them and they couldn't keep them. So mm -hmm. there was a need for a savior because you cannot save yourself. You need a savior. Right. That's just the way it is. <laughs> Uh, let's go ahead and uh, go back to Isaiah and go ahead and give me a second here. Uh, start at 12, please. Isaiah 51, 12. I, even I, am he that comforteth you. Who art thou that, that you should be afraid of a man that shall die and of a son of man which shall be made as grass? So, for, go ahead. So I'm going to stop you there, uh, please. So it's uh, the comforter, and we know John, uh, John 4.26, I believe, is the comforter. 14.26. 14.26, we can get that and hold that. I'll have, have the next reader read that. Uh, I, even I, am the one that comforteth you. Our creator, he comforted his disciples when he was walking on earth with them. And after he was crucified and he rose again, he is now comforting us in our heart and mind in this new covenant. He is also not only comforting us, he's teaching us the things that we know for our salvation. So I, even I, am he that comforteth you, and that you should be a, a, afraid of a man that shall die. So, you know, all these religions out there are really putting the fear into their congregation. You need to uh, give this money. You need to confess your sins. You need to do this, that, and the other thing. And and it's all man. It's all man-made. 
man thought of ordinances. It's not the new covenant, which is written in your heart and mind from the creator. So let's go ahead and go to John then and read that. John 14. Okay. John 14, 26. But the comforter who is the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatever I have said unto you. So there, there it is. He's showing, he's telling you that he's, he's the, he's the comforter. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. The Holy Spirit, as we know, is Yahshua, which is said in the moderation. And the father has sent him in his name. And that's why his name is Yahshua, not Jesus, which is what I was taught and made to believe in religion. When you're in sent in your father's name, you got to have some part of your father's name or the whole name, or you're not going to be of your father. So Jesus is no way a part of Yahweh. But as we've learned in these classes, Yahshua, meaning Yahweh is salvation, is part of Yahweh. The Yah is in the Father and the Son's name. So he's going to send he's going to send you a comforter in his father's name and his father, and he's going to teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. So he's going to, you know, a lot of the things you've heard, like we like to talk about in this class, we bring up over and over, but sometimes you have to have that brought back to your remembrance because, you know, it's easy to forget some of these things. So, you know, not only is he going to teach you things that you don't know and that you were never taught, he's also going to bring things back to your remembrance. So that you may have, it may have slipped your mind or you may have heard other things and it may have swayed you, but he's going to bring that back to your remembrance and he's going to make sure you get it. So we always want to, we always want to listen to that teacher. We don't want to uh, listen to a man. We don't want to be dragged into these cardinal ordinances, these physical ways of worship that, you know, were done away with when Yahshua was crucified, was died, buried, and resurrected. Because if we, if we are um, practicing all these things that were on that left side on the old covenant we're basically saying Yahshua's all that suffering he did was for nothing and it didn't happen or it was not true I mean that's a big slap in the face uh, to someone who you know is pure spirit and and you know came down amongst his people and was treated the way he was treated so you know, it's it, the the man, the men, and the uh, the organizations out there. They're men. They're not the comforter. They're not the teacher. They're not the right. one that you have to fear or listen to, um, because it's in you. the The Holy Spirit is in you, and you don't need a man to tell you to tell you what to do. Basically. So let's see if we can pick something else. 
out of the scripture. Let's go to 15, please, in the scripture reading. Isaiah 51, 15. But I am Yahweh, thy Elohim, that divided the sea, whose waves roared. Yahweh of hosts is his name. So there's, he's the same, he's the Yahweh, he's the creator, he's the one that parted the seas uh, for the children of Israel way back when, uh, back in the wilderness of Sinai. He was Yahweh their Elohim, and Yahweh of hosts is his name, not Lord God or Jesus Christ, because as we know, Lord and God are, are not even names, but they make you... Um, you know, think and feel that they are names and that if you say, like people say, take the na Lord's name in vain, well, you know, that's not a name, so you're not taking anything in vain. When you're taking in vain, as we've uh, looked up, and you could look it up yourself, but vain means to take it for no meaning or to have no meaning. And when you say Lord, God, or Jesus, you are Basically saying Yahweh's name doesn't mean anything. And that's that's what they mean by taking his name in vain, not, uh, you know, a cuss word or whatever they want to have it called. So uh, go ahead and continue on 16, please. 16, and I have put my words in thy mouth, and I have covered thee in the shadow of mine hand, that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth and say unto Zion, thou art my people. So he has, he has put his words in our mouth and he's covered us. He has, he has protected us. He has, he has brought us in and he is, showing us, as we've said in John, teaching us and bringing things back to our remembrance so that we won't be deceived by uh, cunning words from, say, a pastor or uh, a politician or someone else with power that might, you know, cause you to doubt or to uh, believe a, a false doctrine or a false prophet. And as we know, uh, many false prophets have gone out into the world uh, and claim that they're, you know, they're a prophet. And there's many uh, physical proofs of that when you see all the televangelists that have fallen and uh, just, you know, look at, look at the Catholic church, you know, all the, mm -hmm. all the stuff that's going on in there. You know, how can uh, something that holy have that kind of uh, things going on in it? And as we know, Yahweh has no evil or no lies or anything. In it. So it just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And being in that for all those years and then coming down here and and really seeing, and, and as I said, having something revealed to me that, you know, I never saw before or never even thought of before like many people have mentioned the name we went into church and blessed ourselves in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit and not one time did we ever what is the name does he have a name and they never told us his name but we never even thought of asking so it's a very strong delusion that um that people are under 
in in the religion and it's you know it's not their fault i mean they you know they're being deceived and when you come down here when you're when you're invited down here you want to sit down and and if you go to a physical lecture or you get on one of these zoom uh rooms or you watch it on youtube there's plenty of places to you know sit down and listen and you know hopefully yashua will reveal himself to you and you know you'll be you'll be changed forever and we know we have to go through a change uh you know to to be you know in the kingdom because you know no flesh will inherit the kingdom of heaven is that's also right. in the book so i'm kind of running out of steam here and i like i said i'm really grateful that um you know i've been invited down here and i appreciate um everybody that i've listened to and i've learned a lot from the different zoom classes i've been on as well as my own class out here in oceanside so I appreciate everything and everybody keep coming and keep listening and, you know, hopefully you'll get, you'll get that revelation and you'll have that peace. So with those words, I'm going to yield the floor back to the moderator. All praise to Yahshua the Messiah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Frankowski. And for our next speaker, I'd like to call on Dr. Rochelle Morgan. Give her a minute. Michelle, you with us still or no? She might be indisposed. No, I'm I'm here. I'm trying okay. to get it on. Okay, good, good. You're on. Good. Great. Good. Good evening, everybody. Good evening. I really enjoyed the remarks of the second speaker because the first speaker is our moderator. And I only know that because that's why Dr. Kinley said when you bring someone down for the first time, try and get them to class on time. On time. So that they can you hear me? Hello? Yes, yeah. we can. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that they can um, hear what this school is about, what our doctrine is about. And I didn't know I came out of an erroneous doctrine, such as the first speaker was talking about the Catholic Church. I, like him, came from that environment. And I wasn't looking for religion. I thought everything my priest said was right and all right. And that's because the world has taught us that the best church or organization out there is the Catholic church. And everything else stems from that, such as Protestant, Lutheran, um, Baptist, um, seven, you know, all of those other religions come from that, as they call her in the Bible, the mother of all, the harlot. So I thought that was nice when you, you realize that you're not the only one that was called in because we didn't, we didn't know that we didn't know that we were in darkness. We thought we were the ones in light and all these other people. Um, 
I, I love the parable that he chose as the parable of a penny because that really breaks down what Yahweh says versus what man says. Because in the Catholic Church, when you think of the parable of the penny, well, you would be um, the one getting the best because you're the one that gave up your time. So you're the one that's turning your, no your nose up to the guy that came in the 11th hour and he got the same penny that you got and you have been there all day. So you automatically thought you were special. And you should get more money. Forgetting the agreement that you made at the beginning of the day when you went to this man and he told you up front, I'm not paying you by the hour. I'm paying you for a day's work, whatever that happens to be. It's going to be a penny. But this man or whoever we're talking about in that scripture, he took it upon himself to say, well, I've been here more hours than something such, so I should get more money. But that wasn't the agreement. And that's how the Catholic Church, they think they're hitting shoulders over all these other churches. And, and that's how the world had placed them, especially back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and 80s. They were like, you can't get a good education in a public school. You need to send your child to a Catholic school where you get a better edu education. And so that's why so many um, people of color flock to those type of churches so that their child could get a better education. But... If you're going to learn something, you're going to learn it. I mean, there are statistics showing, yes, they may have a better curriculum, but also depend on where you were located. Because if you were in a poor area, you just got what they offered, you know. And if you lived in a better area, you got a better chance at education. And that's just in Romans 1, 19 to 20. So when you come in here, when I, and again, I can only do like the apostles do or did or anyone that talks to us and to one another. We can only deliver unto you that which we have received. And if you haven't received something, you have very little to share. And how you go about receiving it is by the preaching of the gospel. Uh, so says, let's start at Luke, Luke 24, and I believe 25 or something like that, when, he talk, when he's talking to them. Luke and there are, there are two people walking. This is after the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Yahshua, the Messiah. And this man and wife, I believe, this couple, they're walking. And they're talking amongst themselves about, wow, they killed Yahshua. You know, blah, blah, blah. And they're going through that. Well, and then Yahshua told them, don't worry, I'm going to resurrect again on the third day. And they, don't, they didn't know what that really meant. They just didn't. And so here they are walking and talking among themselves. So what are they saying? Luke 24, 25. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart. Wait, to wait, believe. wait. Pick up the train of thought of what they're, a little bit of what the conversation was. Okay. I, uh, does it start at 24 when they said, he called yeah. them? Yeah. Where you at is fine then. Okay. Well, all right. I'll do it 22. Yay. And certain women also of our company amazed us who were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even as the women had said, but they saw not, but, they, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. So see, Yahshua's walking with these people and, he, and he's walking with them. And he's calling them fools all at once. So why is he calling them fools and slow of heart? You know, not to believe all that 
have been spoken. Ought not the Messiah to have suffered these things and to die and enter into his glory? Something like that. And we'll see. Continue where you're at. Okay, that's 26. Ought not the Messiah to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things see, the part concerning. That I, see me that I wanted to get where they're having this conversation. They're telling him what happened because he's going, "Why are you so sad?" And that's got to be somewhere at the top. Then, mm. uh, well, he's oh, I know. And when yeah. and he's telling them, they're telling him, "Well, didn't you know what happened today?" Like and seven, that's the reason. Yeah, well, he's having that conversation. The reason why that's so utterly important right now, because we just went through, as the previous speaker said, Easter. These people are still holding on like that, waiting on him to come back. But see, when he did come back, they didn't recognize him. That's why I want to get that conversation. Here he was, the resurrection was standing right in front of them. Where's that conversation at? 13 through 17 is the start of it. Thank you. Okay, Luke 24, 13. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Yahshua himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not recognize him. Now, this is after the death, the burial, resurrection. The resurrection the death, the burial. And here he, he said he just got, while they were walking, he just walked, started walking right with them. And their eyes were holding, meaning they couldn't, their eyes, their natural eyes looked and saw a man, but this man didn't look like Yahshua, who they had known and seen. So they didn't recognize him. He just, that lets you know, Yahshua is the power to take off a of flesh, put on some flesh. Because when they saw the Yahshua that had been walking around preaching, his death, burial, and resurrection for three and a half years, they did not recognize him. Their eyes were holding. Continue. And he said unto them, what manner of communications are these that ye have one with another as ye walk and are sad? Continue. And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering said unto him, art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? Keep going. Mm -hmm. And he said unto them, what things? And they said unto him concerning Yahshua of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before Yahweh and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, have crucified him. But we hoped that it had been he who should have redeemed Israel. And besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done. See, what they wanted him to do, they just told you what they wanted him to do. They wanted him to redeem Israel, to get rid of um, who those people that had them in bondage, you know, the Romans and all of that. That's what they really wanted the Messiah to do. They didn't realize Messiah's job, so says Matthew uh, 1 and 21, is to save sinners from their sins. That was his job, not to redeem Israel, but that's what they wanted. Letting you know that our thoughts are not like his thoughts. Neither our ways are like his ways. That right there is a great example of that. Because some people think once you get the revelation of Yahshua, well, I guess to a degree you do, but you, they want to act like, well, I'm Yahweh. No, you're, you're, you're not, not. Not like that. Your thoughts are much, it's so different. Continue. Um, yea, and certain women also of our company amazed us who were early at the sepulcher. 
So now he's going to, now she read where that conversation took place of them wanting Yahshua to come back and redeem Israel. And then it says, and beside all of that, it's the third day. Why is the third day so important? Someone can get 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, because now he had been preaching the gospel. And on the third day, he was supposed to have his resurrection. But he had fulfilled that right in front of them. And their eyes were holding. They didn't see him. And the world hasn't seen him to this day because they want him to come back the way he looked or they want him to be the way he was. They want him to redeem Israel. They want him to do all the things that they want him to do as opposed to what Yahweh, Elohim, had purposed him to do in Yahweh's bigger picture of his purpose, pattern, and plan. So let's get, what did I ask for? Corinthians. Yes. First Corinthians 15, 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I See, preached unto you. See, the apostles are always adding on to something. So right now, Paul has been writing, this is the 15th in that book, the first Corinthians, um, there too. Uh, the first Corinthians, he's up to the 15th chapter. He's been talking to them about the gospel, what was written in the law and in the prophets. And unless you know this, these things that I've learned since coming down to this school, where in which the law is the first five books of the, of the Bible, and the prophets are the remaining 34 books of the Bible, and the fulfillment is what they call the New Testament. So when we're trying to communicate this doctrine that we received from our founder, Henry Kinley, Henry Kinley uh, Dr. Kinley, we're not worshiping a man. We're worshiping what was coming out of the man's mouth. And what he preached was the gospel of Yahshua and Messiah. He said he had a vision in the year 1931 directly from the creator. And to this day, the world doesn't believe in visions and revelations. But the books write about visions and revelations saying this is the way the creator has always spoken to mankind. And I'm telling you, when you come from a Christian background and you start talking about visions and revelations, it takes Joshua to really show you what he's talking about, because the world Whatever the world teaches is the opposite of what Yahshua was teaching. Yahshua mm -hmm. said he comes in vision and revelation. This is how he talked to us. And the world says, no, you have to go and confess your sins to the priest in a little box. And he's going to tell you if your sins are forgiven or they're not forgiven. He's going to tell you to seven Hail Marys or, you know, 20 Lord's suppers or whatever they used to tell us to do. You know, he's going to have you do that. And that way your sins will be forgiven as opposed to what he's saying right here. He said he came to save sinners from their sins. So 1 Corinthians, you're reading that now. 1 Corinthians 15, 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which See, also you have... has to be preached to you. And another word that I've learned since coming down here, preach, it has to be taught to you. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's why sometimes we as, um, you know, um, ministers that are, or people that want to share this gospel we can't judge one another because some some of us preach and sound like we're preaching when which some of us sound like we're teaching so i've had to learn not to be judgmental and just listen to the words that are coming out of the speaker's mouth and that's the only way i can understand yashua in a vessel continue 
which also you have received and wherein you stand. So then whatever we're preaching or teaching to you, some part of you has to receive this. Now, I've since learned that Yahweh Elohim, when he takes on that shape and form, he tells us that he is Yahweh Elohim, the archetype, which means original pattern of the universe. So you have Yahweh Elohim being a pattern, which consists of a most holy place, a holy place in the court roundabout. Then what does that mean to you and me? What it meant to me, I had to learn that I was made up. I have a physical body. Within that physical body, there is a soul. And that soul, that soul is governed by universal spirit law. Then I had to uh, learn about universal spirit law and how it operates. And it's got two mysteries in operation, the mystery of righteousness and the mystery of unrighteousness. So when coming down to this school, it was so hard to believe that all that time, 20 something years being raised and thinking you're raised a good Catholic or a good Christian, you were raised in a satanic kingdom under that mystery of operation. And I didn't know that. And once you find out the truth that you were raised under that and you take that truth back to your priest to make sure, is it true? Is his name really Yahweh? Is his title, his son's name, Yahshua, his title, Yahweh Elohim? And the true name of our, our Savior is not Jesus, but Yahshua. They'll say, yes, it's true. And, and they'll give you some silly explanation and they'll tell you to come on back to the church and be a good little Catholic girl. But there's a scripture that supports that that's like a dog returning to his vomit. And you don't want to go, once Yahweh gives you the truth about a matter, such as something so utterly important as his name, you can't go back to calling him Lord God and Jesus Christ. Hey. You, you don't want to do that. You, it's, you see, there's no power in that. Once you see that there is power in the name of Yahweh, those nine divine attributes is what he's made up of, of intelligence, wisdom, knowledge, beauty, love, and justice, foundation, power, and strength. Once you found out, find out that's what he is, that's not what he possesses, you are talking, we are so, 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 so happy to know that we're talking to our Heavenly Father, Yahweh through our Savior, his son, Yahshua, the Messiah. So when he takes Yahweh in that pure spirit state, that's true. We're not going to know everything about him, you know, because of his existence. We don't have the tools in our minute bodies to scrutinize that state in existence. But because this is a love story, he breaks himself down because he wants his creatures to know about him. And when he breaks himself down, the ultimate thing he tells us that he's spirit, and what those attributes are. But then he tells us what I am. I am a pattern, universal pattern. You know, when you understand that this is a pattern in operation, and then once you understand that pattern, you're like, wow, the church teaches none of this. I didn't learn any of this in that good little Catholic school. What I learned in that Catholic school was just to be obedient to the, the will that I was under, which is that satanic mystery, which is not about saving my soul. I knew nothing about a soul. As I said, you're made of body, soul, and spirit. But then you have to keep coming back down to these schools to understand why is a soul so important. You know, people don't understand the weight that a soul has. They don't realize that's your true existence is your soul because your body is going to go back to the dust of the earth from which it came. But your soul will continue on. And you want your soul to continue on in that righteous state and not stay in that unrighteous state. 
And so these statements that I'm making have to be broken down, have to be explained because we only have two hours to talk about this kind of stuff. So I like the fact how the first speaker kept saying, if you don't get it with us, there are wonderful classes out here. You can get it on the Zoom. You can get it on the telephone Zoom. You can get it on all type of ways. Yashua has really opened the doors so that we are without excuse. Uh, if someone can bring up that Romans 1, 19 to 20, but go back to 1 Corinthians, please. Continue where you were at. Okay. But which all, I, wait a minute. Standing in it. Okay, where where uh, you have received and wherein you stand. Now, which what I'm learning about that statement, stand, it's not so much that you are standing in it, it's the foundation of your soul being sealed in it. And I love that word sealed. At the uh, convention, I believe in 19 something, when we were down in uh, Texas, and they said for our first speaker, we Dr. Henry C. Kinley. But it was, of course, it was on the video because he's dead. He died in 76. And so you're, I was so amazed when this man started to talk and the whole audience was like, what? We're going to, you know, and it was a video. But during those times, I was told and I've understood that you can be sealed when all of us get together from time to time or when you have an opportunity and Yashua's talking with you because it says where the mouth of two or three witnesses are, there I am also. But you can get sealed in this stuff. And to be sealed in something is a wonderful new way of existing. It's a change of life. It's a life-changing experience for your existence that you walk around in every day. You are, as he was told, and I think Dennis brought it out the other day so nicely, when he said Dr. Kinley was telling his wife how he would no longer be the same. And he brought out something which I had never heard before, how Dr. Kinley was crying when he was saying these things. This is how important it was to him that he had changed and that change was taking place. So see, we don't come down to tell you, we don't know how long it's going to take for that to happen to you. And the word change can also be like something is going to be revealed to you. We can't tell you when that's going to happen. All you know is one day you believed in Lord God and Jesus Christ. And all at once, you couldn't eat that food anymore. You couldn't take it anymore. It made you sick to your stomach when people, would, even your own family members, couldn't receive it and rejected it. But that let you know you were sealed in that name. And nobody knows how long it took. Just like you don't know when a woman gets pregnant and all that stuff. You just realize you were sealed in the understanding that the creator that I'm worshiping and, and looking forward to spend the rest of my eternity with, his name is Yahweh. I didn't know that before coming down here. Yahshua has to call you up out of the this doctrine of the satanic mystery and set you aside. Yahweh's always been about separating his souls from those souls. And his sons will know his name. His sheep know his father's name. There are several scriptures supporting this kind of stuff. And when you realize that you are sealed in, in something, in this doctrine, then it makes you hungry and you want to keep coming back and saying, well, now that I know the name, maybe I need to know about what's in a name and what's the value of the name. And why won't the world accept this? Over in, I think it's John, somewhere in John, it says that the truth, the world cannot accept the truth. And I want that word somewhere. It's in John. I used to know that scripture, but it's in John. And it says the world cannot accept the truth. And that's in the scripture. So right. don't be offended if someone can't accept the truth. We all have family members, even loved ones, you know, that don't accept the truth. And you can show, you can show there's no letter J in the Hebrew, the Greek, the Latin language, and they'll still reject it. They want to hold on to their 
Sweet Jesus, who can do nothing for the saving of a soul. Absolutely nothing. And then you have those who want to hold on to Dr. Kinley. He said, I need a savior too. That's why we're not, we're not worshiping a man. Yes, I, I love Rick. I love all of you all. But guess what? We all come down here. We come down here to hear what thus said Yahweh through a vessel. Because why? I, if my cat starts to talk to me in English, that's going to freak me out. The meowing drives me crazy already. So imagine if it was, anyway, I'm just saying you want to hear what thus said Yahweh. And you want to hear it. You want to hear where we can prove what we're talking about, not just talking out the, out the side of our neck. And this is what the school is about. Why? Because over in the book of um, uh, Thessalonians 5.21, it says to prove all things. And once you can prove something, hold fast to that. Just mm -hmm. like if you can prove the name, hold fast to that. Because that's going to help you. And I love how it's also said, we need to get as much as we can now because we're going to need it. And you're like, well, why would I need it? Bill, the, the, the adversary is constantly trying to get us to leave the truth and go back to that vomit. We don't want to go back. We want to keep going forward. And all that means is you want to continue to come to these classes to learn more about a heavenly father, because that's going to be the salvation and the saving of your soul. And once you get more knowledge, then you've got the tools to stand in that place, to stand in the truth, to stand in your understanding so that nothing can sway you to and fro from this. You know, um, the world is at an end where you should really be scared. No, not if you're in the gospel. That's right. There are things that, that you don't have to be scared. You can stand in this and say, well, uh, what's that song? Come what may. Man, Springfield can sing that song. Come yeah. what may. It's like whatever comes your way, you can stand and knowing that Yahshua's got you. He didn't just get you. Once you start to get an understanding, he's trying to show you you're going to have trials and tribulations. Why? Because the pattern, most holy place, holy place, court roundabout, it represents Canaan, Canaan's land, the wilderness, and Egypt. And those are three states of existence. Sometimes you're going to be down in Egypt and it's going to be dark and you'll be going through something. But a really good witness towards that is when when they were down in Egypt, they didn't know Yahshua was down there with them as Yahushua, but he was down there with them. He saw everything they were going through and they were crying out. Then they came out of that state of existence. And when they got out there, they were in the wilderness of Sinai. Yahshua was right there with them, gave them quail. They were eating manna from heaven. And he uh, divided, you know, things were happening down there. The people didn't believe the report all the time. So when he went up on that mountain three times to get the, uh, how to build the tabernacle, there was a war. He said, I hear a, a cry out there. A war is going on. Those people have built a, a golden calf. The one thing he told them not to do, they built that golden calf. And then he said, Okay, those that did that, you're going to get it. And the earth swallowed them up. And when they got into Canaan's land, they said they built two golden calves after that. So see, mankind has always been, the devil's always been after mankind's soul, always trying to get them to leave Yahshua. But Yahshua said, you are my son, you are my bride. And a good husband doesn't leave his bride. I mean, Yahshua, right. Egypt constantly went through changes, but Yahshua always over in the book of Ezekiel. I love how he says, when he found her, she was polluted in her own blood. And Yahshua had to tell her, live. How are you going to tell something polluted in his own blood to live? Because why? You have the power. That's why That's right. in the scriptures it says, we don't have to be scared of the man that can come in your house and kill this physical body. Because that's going to happen anyway. The, the one you should be scared of is the one that can kill the body and the soul. 
That's who I'm scared of, Yahshua, Yahweh Elohim. That's why you give him the glory because you realize that he's got power over life and death. They don't realize when Yahshua died the death of an outcast dog, he redeemed us back from Satan and we are also taken away. We are no longer under that bondage, bondage of sin. And people don't believe that. They don't preach that. We are not in sin anymore. He has fulfilled that and taken that away. So once you realize that, that's how you know you are a new creature because you're not doing the things that are not honoring the father and showing the respect and the love that he deserves for what he did for you. And the world doesn't know what he did for him. The world doesn't know he died for the saving of our soul. I am so happy to be in this class. I hope I made a little sense out of some of this. That's why we get different speakers and we stop at different parts. When Yashua tell you to stop, you stop and you leave room for the next speaker. So I'm, I come to class to listen. I want to give it back to the moderator and I give all praise, honor and glory to my heavenly father for giving me just a little bit to go over. And I thank you all very much. Peace. Peace. Thank you, Dr. Morgan. Our next speaker is the Dean of the Syracuse Branch, Dr. Patrick Trevison. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, I did not plan to do this. This came into my head to do this. And uh, I, ju I just want to take a short period of time here to do something. Greg, if you would, could you put up Mitch's three charts? Sorry, Rick, which chart? Which one of the three? Uh, we'll put up the first chart first. It's a is that the one you want? Uh, is that? That's the first one. Yes. That's the first one. Yeah. Of the triple series, yes. All right. We used we had these up in our old room, but we don't have the room up in the new room, so we don't put them up anymore. Um, I just want to point out. Uh, uh Adam in the in the bottom here Adam was formed from the dust of the earth. I think it's over to the left here. That's it right here. No, that's it right here. That's it. No, that's Eve. Here we are. Here we are here. Adam was just a lump of clay. He was in a duck-like state. And he was brought up and Yahweh Elohim breathed into him the breath of life, the breath. Oh. You can't do that, Rick. He has to do it. He has to do if it. Oh, okay. To go down. He breathed into him 
that name, Yahweh, and he became a living soul. And that's in that plate there. Now he becomes a living soul. So he was dead. He was buried in the earth because we're all, we all come from the dust of the earth. And he, the breath of life or the spirit was breathed into him. Death, burial, resurrection, because he became a living soul. There was life after death. Now, uh, I'd like to skip over to the second chart because I, I want to expedite time. Now, with Noah, the vision came to Noah of the end of the earth. And there was a death. But the chart changed on you, on me here. <laughs> That's where we had the vision, sorry. It's the last one on the first chart. I can just tell me where you want to go. Uh, That's where he has the vision. You want to go to the next chart, right? The next chart. The second chart, yes, there we go. Adam has a vision and, and he preaches for 120 years and the waters of the earth break up from below and it rains from above and the people are caught right in the middle. And then they realize that everything he had been telling them was the truth all along. So there's a death of the whole earth plane and they're buried in the flood and the ark resurrects. And if you look over into this next plate, it says end of age, there's a rainbow. That's the ark of the new covenant. His ark represented the old covenant. That ark was the old covenant. But the ark of the new covenant was the rainbow, was the promise that Yahweh Elohim made to Noah. That represents the new covenant. So after death, there was life. Now, if we could move over. Uh, Abram, but uh, this is hard to do, I'm telling you, but uh, if, I want the bottom plate, Greg, if we could do it. No, that's not the chart. I, that's not the plate I want. I want uh, when he's asked to sacrifice, sacrifice um, Isaac. 
There we go. Abraham is asked, is told to sacrifice Isaac, his only beloved son. So he decides that that is what he needs to do. So in his mind, he is dead and he's buried. But the angel stays his hand. So he's resurrected. Isaac is resurrected. So there's life after death. I'm really doing this very simply. Death, burial, resurrection. It's just the gospel. And it's showing that there's life after death. Now, if we could go over to, uh, go to the children of Israel for me, if you would, please. We could do this with every plate. I do not want to take the time. Now, with the children of Israel, there was a death of the lamb down in Egypt. There was a death of the firstborn in that plague. They were buried in the Red Sea and they resurrected into the wilderness of Sinai. There was a death, a burial, and a resurrection. And when they were at the Red Sea, they thought they were gonna die. They, why did you bring us up here to die? What did you, we, we could have stayed in Egypt and they were moaning and crying and complaining. And Moses said to them, stand still and see the salvation of Yahweh, which he will show to you this day. And that's when the flood, that's when the Red Sea buries Pharaoh and his host. So they're resurrected into the wilderness there's a death there's a burial and there's a resurrection into the wilderness and when they get in the wilderness they sing and dance and they're joyful and they there's a total change in them there's life after death life after death. If we could move again. Oh, there's, uh, there's so much in here. Mm -hmm. David and Goliath. Uh, Goliath taunts them for all that time, you read the story over there in Samuel, and uh, it will, and Kings, and it will, it will tell you in detail everything that happened. And Goliath, this giant of a man, this nine foot tall man, taunted the armies of Israel. They were dead in their minds and buried. And David, this little ruddy, 
thing of a of a of a boy, just this little shepherd who had taken five stones out of the brook. He put a stone into the forehead of that giant and slew him. That was a death, a burial, and a resurrection because the armies of Israel that day were resurrected from that state of fear and depression and helplessness. And it was life after death. And David becomes king for 40 years. There's so many principles in these things. It's just amazing. Now let's let's skip over to Jonah. I know we're skipping Daniel in the lion's den. We're skipping Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're skipping all those things. But I want to skip all the way over to Jonah. There we go. Jonah is told to go and preach to the captives in Nineveh. There were Israelites who were captives in Nineveh. Jonah didn't want to go preach to them. He gets on a ship and he tries to flee. A storm comes up and he admits to them he had caused the storm. So the sailors cast him overboard. In their minds, he's dead. This specially prepared fish grabs him and takes him down into the depths. Now, when he's in that fish, he prays to Yahweh. And it reads in the book, from the belly of hell that he prayed to Yahweh. And that fish came up and spewed him out. There was a death, a burial, and a resurrection. And he was alive after he had been dead. There's life after death. Now skip to the next chart, please. Or no, we're on that chart. Uh, just skip over to Yahshua. That's all the time I'm going to take. Just get me over to Yahshua here. There we go. He has to die on the cross. He has to be buried. Three days in that tomb to fulfill all the burials for three days, all down through the law and the prophets. And he resurrects on that third day, as your speakers have said, he resurrects. And there's life after death. He showed you all down through the law and the prophets, and he had to fulfill it that there was life after death. There is life after death. If we can go to the green chart, 
Thank you. I just want to look at the butterfly for a minute. That larva, it, it, it goes into a death-like state and it goes into that chrysalis as the pupa and it's buried in that chrysalis. And I have painted houses where I have seen these things and they look to be just about as lifeless as anything can look. And you would never believe that out of that chrysalis is going to come a brand new creature, brand spanking new, um, a butterfly, that it's going to get its energy from the sun, that it's going to eat nectar. It doesn't eat the same things as the caterpillar. It doesn't live in the same places as the caterpillar. It's a total change. It's a total metamorphosis. And there's life after there was death. It's right in your creation. It's in the seasons. There's a death every fall. With the every fall, every autumn, there's a principle of a death. And we're buried in the winter with the snow. And every spring, and we're seeing it right now, resurrection. First, there's the crocuses. Then there's the daffodils. Then there's the tulips. Then there, you understand? The blossoms start to come out on the trees. And they become leaves. And it becomes fruit in the summertime. There's life after there was death. We see it every single year. Now, I just want to get in the book. Um, you can get Hebrews, the second chapter and read it around the 14th verse or so when you have an opportunity. I, I just want to go to 1 Corinthians 15 and start reading around uh, 50. 1 Corinthians 15 and 50. Now, that, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of Yahweh, Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Now, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom. The right. physical cannot inherit Yahshua's kingdom because it's not a physical kingdom. Read, please. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. We shall all be changed. We shall, oh, we shall not all sleep. Pam, the newly went to sleep. Yep. We shall not all sleep like Pam, but we shall all be changed. Read. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, oh, at the last trump. Even faster than that. So fast, 
so fast <laughs> that I have no adjectives for it. Read. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. And we shall be changed. That's good. I just want to say, I knew Pam for 45, 46 years, my wife and I. And we knew her first husband. And the guys that stood in line today at the wake, they were men. They were little kids when we used to go over to her house in North Syracuse. And they remember us still. And we'll be at that funeral tomorrow. And I'm gonna say the same thing now that I'm gonna say tomorrow. I knew Pam Benuti. I knew Pam Herman. I knew her soul. I knew her heart. And I know that she will be in the kingdom of Yahshua. I know there's life after death for that girl. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm done with what I want to say. I just wanted to, like I, I wasn't planned. I just wanted to say it. Uh, at this time, I would cede the floor to Dr. Dennis Volpe, Dean of, of the Oceanside Branch. Good evening, everyone. I want to just make sure everybody can hear me okay. Yes. yes. Great. Okay. Thank you very much for that. Uh, I just want to continue on in the same vein or light as, uh, as uh, Rick left off there, because I think we can't overstate and overestimate the importance of understanding and believing in the resurrection. Now, Back at the time that Paul was writing some of his epistles, we know that Yahshua warned them before Pentecost that there would be grievous wolves that would enter into the congregation dressed in right. sheep's clothing. And what had happened is the Sadducees, which never believed in the resurrection, uh, used to taunt Yahshua all the time and try to ask him these so-called quick uh, uh, trick questions. Uh, the one about if a man uh, is married to a woman and that man dies and then that woman marries the next brother in line and goes through seven brothers, then who is whose wife is she going to be in the resurrection is what they would ask. And of course, that you know, we know that, uh, and Yahshua was well aware, as as well as other people, that the Sadducees don't even believe in a resurrection. So when they asked this question, it was obvious that they were trying to create a scenario that they felt could not be answered, and that would be another uh, so-called, 
you know, thorn in their cap, as it were, for them to be able, or not a thorn, but a feather in their cap, excuse me, uh, for them to be able to try to deny the resurrection. And of course, Yahshua trumped them by saying, you err in not knowing the scriptures, that when they die, they do not, are not given in marriage again, they shall be as the angels, meaning they're not going to have a masculine or feminine body. Hey, there's not male angels and female angels because we're going to have an incorporeal body. Now, they didn't know what to do with that. But now later on, when the congregations started up after the Pentecost, as the gospel was being preached, as we know, they preached that Yahshua rose from the dead and that he was overcoming death, hell, and the grave. Mm -hmm. Now, all of that, all of that, uh, you know, when it was first said, the Sadducees that had come into the congregation dressed in sheep's clothing, acting like, you know, they were starting to lean towards resurrection and believe in it, later caused a schism and said that the resurrection is past. And that's what the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul is directing them to that uh, understanding of that if, if there is no resurrection, and the Messiah did rise, all of our preaching is in vain. Right. And so he addressed the idea that the purpose for the Messiah for resurrecting from, uh, from the dead was to show forth that he had the power of life, the power to quicken you and to cause a change or a resurrection to take place with you. Now, this is a, a, a fulfillment, too. This is a fulfillment of what was set up back there in the scriptures. So let's go over for a minute to Ezekiel. I believe it's the 37th chapter of Ezekiel, starting at verse 1. Ezekiel 37, 1. The hand of Yahweh was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of Yahweh and set me down in the midst of of the valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them and round about and behold they were very many in the open valley and lo they were very dry now now what the bones represented we were all taught this when we walked in the door after we had got were given a foundation that the bones of a man represented can you back up on this uh, uh, uh this chart right here and get down to the skeleton there now we were always taught that this skeletal system uh that well that was on the green chart there i'm just it's i know it's taken apart but it's the same print when you got it out over there on the chart of the pattern uh in fact that's a better indication of what i'm going to say uh that uh on the uh body chart uh go to the body chart please greg All right, blow that up a little bit. Now, what we see there, we see a man standing in the middle, and within the flesh of that man is the outline of the bones. Now, the bones represent a man within a man, or in other words, an inner man. Now, the outer man would be the flesh that we look at, and the inner man would be the bones that represent the soul or the spiritual side of a man. Now, Dr. Kinley was uh, uh, always emphasized that we are threefold spirit, soul, and body. Now, 
what we understand and we recognize is this, that all of that fleshly stuff that we see on the outside, which has driven so much division in the world with, uh, with racism and hating somebody because of their skin color uh, and all those kind of things, is simply just pure undefiled, uh, or it is defiled, but I mean, uh, it, it is nothing but ignorance. Because the outside of every man will deteriorate in the grave, and what will be left are the bones. Now, the bones, ladies and gentlemen, represent the souls that are not subject to, uh, you know, ceasing, so to speak. They are uh, eternal. And so what we've got is we've got a, a, a manifestation of the souls of mankind encouched within that body. Now, here's, what, here's another point, too, that you might want to consider. Everything that we see on the outside of us, our skin, our hair, our nails, all of it is dead material. So that the outer man, if you will, is a walking, walking representation of death. The outer layer of skin is dead. That's why, you know, you have to wash to wash off that uh, layer of dead skin that is starting to rot and smell. Your nails are dead, your hair is dead, and all the life exists beneath the surface. Now, the bones are beneath the surface, and the bones are responsible for producing blood and even uh, uh, immune cells that are, that are created in the bones. And so the bones, ladies and gentlemen, are the real source uh, 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 in a sense of life of the body. I know that the heart and all the rest of that is, is very important as well, but I'm just saying the bones are showing a generation of life existing within a dead structure. Now, I'm saying that because the real importance of all of us has never been our fleshly body. And somebody made a comment, I think it was before class, if I remember, that somebody was talking about or no, I think this was made during class. I Excuse me, I don't remember. But anyhow, uh, that somebody didn't want their body to be deteriorated. They wouldn't go for cremation because of the fact that they wanted to retain their body when Jesus came to take them to heaven or whatever. Now, what we have to understand is Yahweh is no respecter of flesh. He never came to cause the body to remain immortal or eternal. That was not his purpose. His purpose was all about the soul and to bring the soul to a state of eternal life. So in this that we're reading in Ezekiel, the Valley of Dry Bones represents a collection at its lowest point because the valley has been down at the bottom point of a mountain. We've got all of these dead souls, that's what the bones are representing. And they were dry bones. Now, your bones have, you know, uh, uh, blood being produced. There is lymph in there or water. This is inside your bones operating while you're walking around. Now, when those bones dry out, ladies and gentlemen, then they're what we call, obviously, they're dead, dead man's bones, so to speak. And what I want you to recognize is this is all symbolic because now there's a question that's going to be asked of, of Ezekiel. Go ahead and read. Ezekiel 37 and 3. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And now, I answered, 
here's the creator asking a question to Ezekiel. Now, Ezekiel is a representation in this manifestation of Yahshua himself. And the question is, can these bones live? Because Yahshua, when he was in the days of his flesh, walking around, he was referred to as the Son of Man. Now, what we've got then is we've got this question being asked, can these bones live or can these souls live? Read. And I answered, O Yahweh Elohim, thou knowest. Again, he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of Yahweh. Thus saith Yahweh Elohim. Now watch, watch. I I want to key in on that. The prophesying is the preaching of the gospel, ladies and gentlemen. That's what it is. And what is being prophesied is that, oh, you dry bones, hear the word of Yahweh. Now, how many people, I know this is common, that people go to the cemetery to visit dead relatives and loved ones, and they usually will talk to them while they're there. Now, I want you to know that I understand why people are doing that. They're grieving. They have to have a sense of still being connected to the person. But truthfully speaking, those bones that are down there in the ground are not hearing what you're saying. That's just simply wrong. But what Ezekiel is saying, oh, ye dry bones, hear the word of Yahweh. First of all, he's not referring to them being able to detect natural physical sound or sound waves. Hearing means to understand. In other words, oh, you dead bones, understand the word of Yahweh or hear what I'm saying. In other words, we've used that term all the time. Do you hear what I'm saying? We're not checking somebody's uh, uh, auditory ability. What we're doing is we're checking whether they understand what we're trying to get across. Now, hearing the word of Yahweh is key to causing a resurrection. Mm -hmm. And that hearing can't happen by dead bones. Dead bones don't have the ability to hear. Now, over in John, hold your finger there. My other reader, go over and get John, I believe it's the fifth chapter, if I'm not mistaken. It's probably around verse 25. 25. I'm just going to guess that. Go ahead and read it. John John 5.25, verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the son of Yahweh and they that hear shall live. Now watch, he said the time is coming when the dead will hear the voice of the son of Yahweh and live. Now, these people, you have to understand the time that he says this, these people are still carnally minded. They're actually thinking, Because some of them saw Yahshua walk up to a tomb and say, hey, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came out of that tomb. So they figured that Lazarus, while he was in the tomb, heard the physical sound of his voice. But that was a fulfillment to try to illustrate or manifest the spiritual principle of the resurrection of the soul. Now, when we come into class, every one of us, we're not just only dead on arrival, as Dr. Kinley used to say. We also are deaf, dumb, and blind along with it. That's right. We don't hear anything spiritual, even though we can have perfect hearing from a natural standpoint. 
we don't see anything spiritual because we're carnally minded and the carnal mind cannot penetrate the things of the spirit and we're dumb meaning we can't speak about it we can't talk about it because we don't hear it we don't see it now yashua told them in john 738 he said he that believes on me as the scriptures have said out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water now what we have to understand is that the scriptures are the law and the prophets because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are not written yet, nor any of the epistles. So when he says, he that hear, or, or, or uh, um, when he talks about that, uh, he that uh, uh, believes on me as the scriptures have said, well, that's because it's going to take a preacher. It's going to take someone at, that has been prepared. And that's why over there it says, how beautiful are the feet of them that are, uh, prepared, have the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, that preparation is you being taught by the Holy Spirit, by a, somebody that has received a revelation and an understanding that can open up these mysteries to you and cause you to understand, that will allow you to understand this. So what I'm saying is you're sitting there when you come into class, somebody is on the floor preaching the vision that was given to the founder. Now, Yahshua has to open your ears in order for you to be able to understand it or comprehend it. Because the physical uh, 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 apparatus that you have when you walk in the door is not capable of comprehending spiritual things or hearing the word of Yahweh. It takes your mind and heart to be elevated to another plane of consciousness and realization through the preaching of the gospel and the revelation from the Holy Spirit for you to hear the word of Yahweh. Now, when that word is spoken and it's preached from the law and the prophets, all of that living water is taking, is being uh, uh, inundating your dry bones or your soul in living water. So you are going to have to be baptized spiritually and psychologically in order for you to resurrect. Now, we know this. We know that when the people came to John to be baptized, they all admitted they were dead. Well, you go, what do you mean? They walked up and said, I'm dead? No, they said that they were sinners and they had a uh, condemnation because it was a baptism unto repentance. Now, the soul that sinneth shall die. So they were admitted they were dead when they did that. Now, here comes John. He buries them in that water. That water is representing the preaching of the gospel or that living water. That's what it's a representation of. And John had the Holy Spirit. So he fully immerses them in that water, and they rise up out of that water. And the idea of the resurrection, when you're coming up out of that water, is that you are quickened by the Holy Spirit. So to show that, played out when Yahshua came to John the Baptist. He had not sinned, so he wasn't dead. But he told them, suffer to be so now, do it anyway. Because to the rest of them standing around, he was no different than they were in their, in their thinking. So when John baptizes Yahshua in that Jordan River and Yahshua comes up, the next thing that happens is the vision of the Holy Spirit descending upon him. John sees that to show you that the being inundated in the living water and being raised up out of that water 
is a resurrection with the operation of the Holy Spirit now quickening your inner man and the receiving of the Holy Spirit. So what I want you to realize is when, when Yahweh asked, uh, uh, Yahweh Elohim asked uh, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And he told them to prophesy upon them. That prophesying is exactly why we come to class. Because in order for anyone, for anyone to be raised from the dead, it's going to be done according to Yahweh's purpose. And he purposed and pleased him by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe, to cause them to be dunked in and inundated in living water and to be raised up out of it. Now, John didn't just take and put his hand on their face when they went down in the Jordan and shoved them and they fell into the water. Then they came up on their own. John held them and lowered them into that water and then lifted them up when they came up from that water to show that the Holy Spirit puts them down there because John had the Holy Spirit and he brings them back up. And then that spirit enters into them. And that's what's going on. We come down to class. And we have to be de-educated and then re-educated. I remember Dr. Kinley saying that I have to I have to de-educate you, then re-educate you. I have to break you down and build you back up again. So we come in there with theories, concepts, opinions, all these things Dave was talking about that he was taught in the Catholic Church, I was taught as well. We walk in with all that stuff uh, on us, and here we have to take you back down in to the Types and shadows and allegories that are laid down in the book of Exodus and so on. I'm just starting in Exodus. Usually is where we start. And get you right back to what we call basis, uh, that God has a name, that he gave his name at the burning bush. There were no J's in Hebrew. All of that stuff we're doing, we're taking you right down into that. Now, as we begin to express more and more, we're going to lift you up to another plane of consciousness to show you the spiritual operation of Yahweh so that you might come to the realization that Yahweh is real. You're being raised right from that carnal-minded state to a higher plane of consciousness. And you can't do it of, of yourself or on your own. It's your creator doing everything. He puts you down, and he brings you back up again. And he puts his spirit in you. And then you become alive forevermore. And Dr. Kinley used to say that you come down there and you're sitting on the chair, and you walked in dead on arrival, and by the foolishness of preaching, you are raised from the dead and to be alive forevermore sitting right on a chair. Now, you're sitting there, which shows you're not really doing anything. You're, you're just the benefit, beneficiary of what is being opened up by the Holy Spirit through the speaker that is speaking on the floor. Now, your inner man is being rejuvenated. Your inner man, ladies and gentlemen, is being brought back to a state of health, and that water begins to go through that those bones. That is to say, the gospel, the words of salvation, are going right down inside your inner man or your soul. And they are starting to take resident in you so that the things you learn in class and that you hear are the way you begin to think, the way you begin to look at things, the way you begin to express yourself. All of this is the transition you're making from a dead state to a living state. Now, uh, also, there's blood that is manufactured in the bone. Now, what I want you to see is we're saved by the blood of the lamb. 
So everything that is bringing the soul back is happening by the Holy Spirit. As the gospel is being preached, you're being sprinkled with the blood of Yahshua, which is that knowledge and understanding of Yahweh's purpose. You are being inundated in living water, taken right back to the witnesses and the law and the prophets. And listen, then we have to have we have to have that air coming into, into play, right? You know how your lungs are taking in that oxygen and sending it to every cell in the body. Well, air is like the spirit entering into a person. When a person takes their first breath, the medical term for it is inspiration. Comes from Latin. It means to be, it means spirit, the taking in of the spirit. You exhale, you uh, it's expiration. So it's showing forth the operation of the spirit working in you. And that spirit is combined with the blood, that is to say the oxygen, carried throughout the body and nourishes every cell. And it's the red blood cells that carry the oxygen hemoglobin to the cells. So the more we learn, the more we understand in this teaching, the more we understand that the focal point, the purpose is that Yahweh is proving to all of us that Yahshua has the power to bring you to a state of life when you were walking dead. Or in other words, he's a quickening spirit. And without you recognizing that, you have no hope whatsoever. And that's why when they were arguing with, with Paul in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, and he began to explain to them that the resurrection is, is vital for you to accept and believe. Otherwise, you make Yahshua's death of no uh, uh, value. You make it vain. And so uh, also, I want to say by that, he then went and they started asking, by what body are we raised? Because they had this whole idea that when the husband died and the wife marries the brothers, they're all going to have the same bodies walking around in the angelic creation. And whose wife is she going to be? Well, what Paul tried to show them is that these bodies that we have that are temporary are like he called, he used the example, there are terrestrial bodies and there are celestial bodies. And we know that Paul also, having an understanding now of the spiritual things after his vision and revelation was imparted to him, began to teach things that flesh and blood does not inherit the kingdom of Yahweh, can't inherit it. You follow? So the bottom line is we know that the body that has to be uh, given to us for us to be in that uh, spiritual kingdom of Yahweh is vital for us to receive a new body at the end of this age, because we're going to go on into a new heaven and new earth state. So he talks about toward the end there, and and, and Rick started to quote it. Let's go back over to 1 Corinthians 50, uh, 15 and 50 again. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of Yahweh, Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Now, your physical body was corrupt. First of all, it's made from dirt. I see the five minutes. It's made from dirt. That's a type and a shadow to show that your this physical body is never accepted, going to be acceptable to Yahweh. Read. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now we're going to be changed. And when he says change, he's not just talking about changing your mind. He's talking about changing your very form. 
you are in the form of a natural man now, but that's going to be changed to be put in the form of Yahshua the Messiah. And that's what I want to get to. Hold your finger there. Somebody get Romans, the eighth chapter. And I want you to go to the scripture. He says, for whom he did foreknow. Romans 8, 29. Go ahead. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, when he talks about being conformed to the image of his son, that's happening right now within you from an inner standpoint. You are being conformed to the divine nature, which is the spiritual image of Yahshua from a nature standpoint. But you're also going to have to be conformed on the outside. You need to receive a body that matches what's going on on the inside of you. You have an immortal soul now because you have that Holy Spirit in you. But you are abiding in a mortal body. Now, the age of immortality, what we call the fifth age, which starts after this, uh, this consummation, we have to now, in order to go into the new creation, we have to have that in the same form that Yahshua has uh, inside and out in order to go into that state. And so at the end of this age, you're going to be changed. If you're walking around now, you're still uh, alive from a natural standpoint. At the end of this age, you will be instantaneously changed. Read. Uh, where you left off? In First Corinthians 15, where you left off. Okay. 50, uh, uh, 52. In a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, now, and we shall be changed. And we shall be changed. It's going to happen instantaneous, in other words. Mm -hmm. So you are going to be changed right down here at the end of this age. What's going to happen is your soul, which represents... Now, if you remember when the tabernacle was built, the tabernacle represents dwelling in a fleshly existence because it was covered with badger skins, bars, pillars, and boards. But the temple was a glorious structure that radiated light. Now, they took the vessels from that were in the holy place, the most holy place. Uh, I'm not, uh, they may have even taken uh, the labor. I don't know. I don't think they did. But anyhow, they took the vessels that were in the holy place, and they moved them into the temple. Now, that's to show that all of that that is being formed in you now, which is the divine nature and attribute, are going to be moved into a glorious structure that will abide forevermore. It's not portable. It's not temporary. The tabernacle was only a temporary dwelling. So, therefore, when Yahshua appears at the end of this age, he's going to appear, and Dr. Kinley used to say, in all of his glory, he will outshine the noonday sun with an, a super incorporeal body, and he said, and you're going to be right there with him with the same body that he has. Because right. we're members of his body, we receive a portion of his inheritance. His inheritance, we're co, uh, he, uh, we are co-inheritors uh, with him. His inheritance is to be glorified with all the glory that he had with the Father at the beginning of the purpose. The beginning of the uh, as it as it was as he came forth. Now you are going to be there sharing with that glory. You now have a share of his inheritance because you're his offspring. So you will have the same body he has, but we will be the body and he is the head, and he will take us on into the new age, the new creation, 
and reveal the things that Yahweh wants us to understand and know about him in ages yet to come. I hope that made some sense. I'm out of time. I thank you for the opportunity. And I know that Pam right now is resting comfortably in the bosom of Yahshua. So with that, I'll turn it back to the moderator. Peace and Yahshua to all the brethren. Peg, are you there? Sorry, I couldn't get the mic going. Yes, that concludes this evening's lecture. We'll conclude with the doxology, the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise Elohim, our Savior, Yahshua, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and for all times, for all say. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.